What a moment for the Republic of Ireland. They just knew how to get the wins and that was it. So I don't mind seeing a team like that because I quite like a fighting team. The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Off The Ball Daily. And this is Off The Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you as always until five. We hope you are doing all right and enjoying this cracking weather. It feels like a different country, doesn't it, folks? What is coming up on the show today? So James O'Donoghue, Dan Porky Cueve to keep us up to date on Cork against Kerry in the All-Ireland Football Championship. And Gaelic football also the focus of the Saturday panel from about half one with so many matches this weekend. 32 teams in action. Jer Brennan, Finian Hanley and Conleth Gilligan will look ahead and try to make sense of it all. The FA Cup final kicks off at three, Manchester United against City at Wembley. And the Women's Champions League final is also off at that time between Barcelona and Wolfsburg. We'll be across both games with Mark Lawrence and Graeme Gartland on Football Saturday. We'll also bring you the details of all the other sport that's going on, including the cricket, the golf, and the Epsom Derby. That goes to post at the earlier time at half one. Aidan O'Brien, Jessica Harrington and John Murphy all bidding to win the famous race. 53106 is the number for your texts, folks. You want to share your opinions with us when it comes to sport this afternoon, or if you have any questions as well for our guests during the show, you can also tweet us at Off the Ball. In studio with me is Aidan Delaney for the news round. Aidan, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks, John. Had any 99s this week yet? I haven't had one yet, but we did sit out. Um, my wife is a chef, and she was trying out her new uh, pizza oven last night. So we were just trying out a couple in the of garden. Things. In the garden, <laughs> in like having a few beers there, it was absolutely gorgeous. So just trying to soak in the rays while we have them. So did the pizza work? Absolutely, yeah. There was one with strawberries on it because we are from Wexford. We have to have to try it out. And actually, it did. Were these out. dessert pizzas? No, no. This was just a normal. There was a bit of rocket on it. There was a bit of vinaigrette on it and a strawberry. And I tell you, I try it out. I think this weekend is the perfect weekend for it. How long does it take? Is it about ten minutes? Is it? Uh, about five or six. It was right. actually quite quick. Actually, yeah, yeah. So I wasn't banging the table or anything. anything <laughs> good man, good man. Proper order. Uh, we'll ask Cameron Hill when he comes in about what, what his week in the sun has been like. I just there's no better country in the world uh, with the weather like this, folks. Absolutely. The problem is if you if you'd planned this week to go on holidays in Ireland, you wouldn't have a hope against the good weather. But it just kind of springs itself upon us. Um, the Ireland cricketers are enjoying the weather over in Lords, but maybe not the scoreline. No, but they are making a good fist of it there. They've just reached lunch and they are in their, of course, one-off test against England at Lords. The visitors are now 215 for six in their second innings. They still have 139 runs. Uh, They're short of England's first innings. England declaring after an absolutely brilliant first innings from Ollie Pope. Uh, So it's it's very tough for them to try to get back into this, but they are making a good fist of it. Uh, Adair is on the, the seam at the minute and, you know, England have been kind of not pushing too hard today but uh, listen anything can happen in in sport but uh, the the Irish cricketers are doing a decent job so far Well England are preparing for the Ashes and that is obviously in their ballpark in their minds and Ireland look they also have the World Cup qualifying Zimbabwe to really focus on so it's a one-off test Ireland are never going to win this but it's about how they perform and, and how they do and Josh Little's been rested Cameron is in studio now Cameron how are you? It's a beautiful day and we're in an opticians. It just doesn't get any better than this. Good <laughs> afternoon, JD. Uh, we are uh, speaking about, uh, Aidan speaking about cooking pizza last night. Well, how's your summer week been? Have you had any 99s? And- I haven't. I haven't indulged in the 99, but everyone knows that the best 99 is in Mayo anyway, so I haven't seen it yet. Um, but what have I been doing? I haven't really, no. A lot of my things have been indoors at the moment between various different bits and pieces with rehearsals and whatnot. But maybe tomorrow might be the day for me yeah to get out and see about that sun have you watched much of the cricket been watching it today alright yeah it's, it doesn't look great now for Ireland um, 
Curtis Camper kind of came and went. It was more of a cameo than anything during his uh, his innings today. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the damage has already been done from the last couple of days. To get to day three is a fantastic achievement in itself, really, in okay. terms of recovery. So the FA Cup final, three o'clock start. Absolutely. First time ever we have a Manchester derby in Wembley. The Sky Blues hoping to lift the trophy for the first time since 2019. But United have the chance to stop their neighbours becoming just the second English side in history to do that famous treble. And the United boss, Eric Ten Hag, was asked this week whether that is almost a bigger motivation for his side than winning the trophy for themselves. I know what is the thinking from the fence. But what we want is to um, restore Manchester United as by winning trophies. So on Saturday, we have the opportunity to win a trophy and uh, we don't want to be distracted by, by anything. And yeah, if it's important for the fans, then it's important for us. So we will give everything to win the cup. So why not, why not use it as... Because Manchester United have won the FA Cup many times. Why not use it as extra motivation? Why shy away from it? Why not embrace it as a motivation because it's not necessary that will not uh, give more 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 motivation to the team because it's uh, their their interest um, so their motivation is already enough and uh, that can't be more and they want to win a cup and they have uh, an opportunity they want to so set a crown on the season and so what do you need more more what is more motivation to see an FA Cup back at the traditional time at three o'clock I have to say folks and I'm looking forward to this I think it's going to be a great game um, there's extra motivation for Manchester United today trying to stop the treble um, I saw Pep Guardiola telling the City fans to have you know just a moderate portion of beer today so he's obviously appealing for calm but it looks like it's going to be a great occasion as you say the traditional time of Saturday at three o'clock uh, wouldn't be the traditional time for me because it's just been put here, there, and everywhere over the last couple of years. But um, I remember, you're a young person. Yeah, that's <laughs> you see, that's it. Yeah, far too young. What is your first FA Cup memory? Like just to process all here, your first FA Cup memory was what? Oh, first FA Cup final memory. memory. No, final memory. Hmm, that's a tricky one now because I wouldn't have really watched the cup as much. Um, I do remember vividly, vividly, um, 2014's final. Was that Arsenal Hull? Arsenal Hull. David Myler. Absolutely brilliant game. David Myler, yeah. Um, 2 0 up for Hull, and then Aaron Ramsey Masterclass. It was such a good final. It was, yeah. Damien Zaini, also another friend of the show's, played in the final for Palace against Man United. They lost that. They did, actually, yeah. My my first memory is 2005, the Arsenal. uh, That was a terrible game. It was a terrible game, but I remember, I think that was the first time. I'd seen penalties. I'm oh, sorry. I'd seen Ireland lose out on penalties in the World Cup. All right, but I, that was the first kind of penalties I remember, and I remember just the excitement of that. So your Liverpool and, man. So sort of a year later was 2006 is the big one for me. All right, yeah, and just just looking back on, on that team and just thinking about how Steven Gerrard really was just the pick of the crop in that team, playing against the likes of you know Neil Ashton and uh, Paul Konchesky, who would eventually move to Liverpool and stuff like that. It was it, it's kind of a, a crazy game, and when you look back and some of the goals that he scored and it really is kind of the the one that stands out for me and a couple of the the last few FA Cup finals have kind of blurred into one all the kind of city ones I can't remember which ones were which and 
but I mean, this is certainly going to be a, a very interesting one. I think it's really interesting to see that the the fans are obviously coming from the same city. They're all having to, to drive down because of rail strikes. And yes, the Greater Manchester Police have asked them to take different motorways down. So City fans, I think, have to go on the M6, while United fans have to go on the M1. I don't know if they're afraid they're going to crash into each other, if the rivalry is that intense. But um, yeah, it's it's certainly going to be a, an interesting occasion. That's a metaphor there, being on a collision course, etc. Possibly, wow. yes. Yeah, yeah. All roads lead to Wembley. Yeah, and yeah, it's unusual to have, as you say, well, the first ever time, you yeah, Liverpool ever in 1989, but uh, kick off at Wembley that time. So the Women's Champions League final as well at that time. Yeah, Barcelona and Wolfsburg contesting the final there. Uh, that one is in Eindhoven, also at three o'clock start. You were speaking to me off air about a story you saw on the Irish Independent, David Kelly, and a story about... Um yeah, the funding. The apparently the Sport Ireland are going to reject a bid um, from the Women's Premier Division to get an extra five hundred and fifty um, thousand euro bump in their funding. So fifty fifty k for each club, which would have been you know fifty k in terms of the grand scheme of football, mightn't seem huge, but it can be big for uh, Women's Premier Division games, which seems like a massive disappointment. Um, I, you know, we're looking at this there's supposed to be this surge and this tide for women's football at the moment with the World Cup coming up um, and there's just been a few different stories that have kind of made me think uh oh a little bit um, I saw today that Daily Mount has suffered a power cut and it means that today's streaming of the Bohemians game in the Women's Premier Division might be affected for LOI TV saw there was a similar issue last weekend um between at Talker Park between yeah. Shells and P Mount, that would have been a great game to have on TV anyway. Like you've the defending champions versus the league leaders, great talent in both sides. And not really sure why someone like TG Cahar or RT weren't picking up the rights for that because you think last week all the sport really it was a it was a very um, end heavy day where really the sport kicked off around five o'clock last Saturday. There was a big gap for women's football to take centre stage on a Saturday afternoon don't know why it wasn't on TV it seems like a bit of a missed opportunity and just in general I don't know I I know we still have loads of domestic um, games down for the decision with today's couple of games and then the Champions League final with Manchester City next week I just feel I don't think the excitement is there for the World Cup quite just yet. I don't know what it is, but I haven't quite bought into women's it World Cup. the women's well, World Cup. Well, I think with yeah. all these things, it just it happens very much around the thing. So you know, that's when the, it, it'll just appear. The excitement will appear on the on, on the week of it. I think so, but I just there's been a few different. Well, I suppose there's a wider macro issue about the support of the game, um, and it, exactly. It'll only I think when people see the Irish team line up for the national anthem in Australia, then the you know the, hopefully then. For a lot of people out there who don't know the team, who don't know the players, who are getting to know them over the last couple of years, mm. this and you know, it's, it's important then in the panel debates on television to have those kind of discussions then, yeah, because that's when you'll have the majority of eyeballs that don't normally are not normally tuned into this. But even in a wider context of the game itself, I mean, we're missing a whole heap of stars due to injury for this World Cup between Beth Mead and Leah Williamson and Vivian Miedema. I think Katarina Macario is also out now with an ACL injury. Like that's a huge swathe of your star power gone for this World Cup. There's also the issue around the broadcasting rights, which I can't understand, where the top five... I just wonder if Gianni Infantino got the hump about the fact that the, the coverage he's got in Europe in the last couple of years around the World Cup, and I don't think he's helped himself. No. Uh, but I, I wonder, is, is there a degree of uh, hardball being played by FIFA? Uh, yeah, around now this? he's St. Gianni, the scion of women's football, is all of a sudden. Yeah, that, I, I wonder there's a bit of politics around I, that. I so think so. I think it'll be sorted, but I do think there's a bit of politics around uh, FIFA and Europe at the moment. Uh, we have Ange Postacoglu. Is this going to be the last hurrah? 
It might be, he says, it would be extraordinary if the club breaks a world record for domestic trebles this evening should the Scottish Premiership and League Cup winners beat Inverness in the Scottish Cup final. It'll be the eighth time that Celtic have completed a clean sweep of trophies at home. Kickoff in that one is from half past five. And would you accept him as the Spurs boss? Uh, yeah, it'd be fine. You really don't know until you see. I think there's a big step up from Celtic these days to uh, the Premier League. It doesn't matter who you're managing the Premier League. I think Brendan Rodgers did very well at Leicester initially and Brad Rodgers did very well at Liverpool um, but Gerard failed Stephen Gerard failed in the Premier League as manager with Aston Villa you've seen that since Emery came in and I don't think it really matters what Postacoglu does at Tottenham because I, I, he has to get the support of the board and the board has not been accountable for the decisions they've made since they sacked Pochettino who's gone off to Chelsea now and I wouldn't have any confidence that the board at Tottenham can make correct football decisions I think uh, you have to you have to regard Stephen Gerrard as the exception to the rule there <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's like the proof that Scottish Premiership and Premier League the step up just isn't possible I think Ange Postacoglu would do a great job at Spurs now it's dependent on whether Harry Kane stays there. I think that'll be a big um, big factor in how well he does. And I'd be really interested to see how he uses him in a Spurs team and what when kind of team he plays an attacking team, that's uh, it. we have to see if Tarleson will ever become something at Tottenham. Uh, I just still think, do think he has the ability to do so. But Tottenham also can't build their whole lives and their whole hopes around Harry Kane. They have to build a team. And this is the same thing with Bale left. They spent 100 million quid uh, only on one player that really came out of it, which was... Um, Christian Eriksen so look uh, we don't want to bore people by talking about Tottenham but um, we can talk about something better uh, Shamrock Rovers back on top of the League of Ireland Yeah they had a 2-0 win over Dundalk last night they were reduced to 10 men however with Ronan Finn picking up the 7th red card for Stephen Bradley's side this season and defender Lee Grace spoke to our own Ashling O'Reilly following the game he says they need to focus more on their discipline When we went down to 10 it was only 1-0 so any goal for Dundalk would have changed the game um, we would have been under serious pressure so I thought we took the second goal very, very well. I thought Greener was absolutely brilliant tonight. His press, his reactions, everything. So, uh, delighted for Greener. Yeah, going down to 10 men, it's the fourth red card now in two games. What do you think that is? Is it down to, look, just being unlucky? Is it discipline? I look, it's a bit of everything. Look, no one likes getting sent off. Obviously, Finner had to make a decision tonight to, to try to stop him scoring the goal. Um, if he had to let it go any longer, he could have been in the box and would have been a penalty, but given away. So, um, Look, he thought he was going to get the ball. Just a split decision. Um, it's probably the right call. Um, I don't know, the ill-disciplined then with the last few weeks as well with the red cards. We're kind of unlucky with a few challenges, a few yellow cards last week. So, look, we'll try, we'll try cutting out and uh, hopefully that's the last of them. Yeah, is it something that you talk about as a group? Uh, not really. Um, the gaffer, to be fair, did, did mention it during the week just to try to stay on top of our discipline. Um, don't give the ref- referees decisions to make. Um, whether they'd be right or wrong just don't give them a decision to make unfortunately tonight we did and we got the red car but I think when we went down to 10 men we were brilliant so um, good night Elsewhere Derry will stay in second place Brian Maher saved the first half Shane Farrell penalty as the candy stripes were held to a goalless draw by Shelburne Bohemians picked up their first win in five that's thanks to a 2-0 defeat of Sligo last night Tunde Alawalabi Skoll gave Cork City a 1-0 win at Drogheda while St Pat's were 3-1 winners away to UCD There's also a full round of fixtures in the Women's National League this afternoon as we heard they're underway in the Dublin Derby between Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians where it's scoreless so far 26 minutes on the clock there at 2 o'clock Shelburne make the trip to Galway as they look to close the gap on the top two leaders Piment United play host to Athlone from 5 while at the same time Cork City clash with DLR Waves and Sligo Rovers travel to Treaty United 
suggested. Best bit of writing today and it's a sad article and a kind of a harrowing article by Dennis Walsh in the Irish Times interviewing David Corkery, who was Ireland's best player at the Rugby World Cup in 1995 just as the game was turning professional. And David speaking about the um, head injuries he's received and the brain injury he's received from a repeated blows to the head. I'm just going to quote here. I went for MRIs, neurological testing, psychological testing, and the results came back positive for CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And the, all those concussion-related injuries from those results, I was told I'm going to have ongoing long-term issues. He's part of a class action against the IRFU and World Rugby at the moment, along with the other players, including uh, Declan Fitzpatrick, Ben Marshall. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very tough read. Uh, and David speaks about how, you know, these issues have affected his life and talks about the Wild West nature of rugby when it went pro in the mid-90s until... As opposed, obviously now, um, 25 years on, this is much more safe in terms of its protocols. But there is, I would say, just a reminder of the fact that rugby is a collision game, mm. is you know, is, is a game that's not without risk. That's it, yeah. And uh, I was actually struck when I read that piece. It's something I haven't really paid attention to all that much um, before, but the language in rugby mm. needs to change. I think like the, the, every game is when it's a big collision game and look it's massive hit of, massive hit war of attrition those kinds of terms they can't be helpful because it just it the idea is to just overpower your enemy rather than evade them that that to me seems like a complete and utter aberration yeah I think one thing that really struck me was just how David kind of speaks about his own body as if he was just a piece of meat and that's how he was treated by particularly he talks about going over to Bristol and how they just had this gym program and he was just spending all the time in his in the gym and his job as a flanker was just to stop their number 10 he was you know killed that effort was one of the the sort of lasting impressions he was given by his coach and you know he was told you know he was over 20 stone at one stage and he said if you ran towards me I would kill you if you ran anyway, you know, to my left or to my right, I couldn't catch you at all. And and when you speak about, I remember we had uh, Gordon Darcy on the show recently enough, and he was talking about how he was, you know, that kind of attitude of, you know, next man up in training. And if you get a concussion in training, you just, you're to shake it off and just to have that macho-ness about you. And that's that's something that David Corkery is, is trying to fight against now. Although, interestingly, he says he probably would let his kids play rugby now because he sees it as a different game. Whereas I'm sure if you asked other professionals from around that time, there probably hasn't been that much of a, a step up since the 90s. So it's it's an interesting debate and it has, has to see where rugby goes from here. Yeah, you'd wonder at the time if the coaches... Um do anything about it in terms of guidance? Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it seems that there was no guidance from the authorities at the time uh, for you know what, what the safe protocols were around rugby turning professional and becoming a collision sport as opposed to primarily an evasion sport as it was in the amateur era. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's a um, very, very, very tough read, but a, a definitely a great piece of journalism by Dennis Walsh. Absolutely. Okay, what we got Gaelic games-wise? Yeah, Kildare meet Dublin in Kilkenny this evening in Group 3 of the All-Ireland Football Championship. Parky Cueve hosts a Group 1's heavyweight contest between rivals Cork and Kerry. In Group 2, we have Galway and Armagh looking to book quarterfinal spots. They face Westmeath and Tyrone, respectively. So we got Hurling as well. Yeah, Silverware galore up for grabs at Crow Park this afternoon. We have Monaghan taking on Lancashire in the Laurie Mar Cup final. That one is on at the minute. That's followed by Donegal's clash with Wicklow in the Nicky record at 3 o'clock. And promotion to the John McDonough is on the line as Meath play Derry in the Christie Ring Cup final from 5 o'clock. What's going to be the headline then on Monday out of the GA weekend, do we think? Um, I think Kildare might do Dublin tonight. I, I've no idea why... 
I just think that taking Dublin out of the Crow Park bubble, we haven't seen them at their best this year. Kildare will certainly, you know, be fired up for this game, and I think that they just might sneak it. Um, yeah, I think Mayo so. into the quarterfinals. Yes, yeah, that that's it. Yeah. That's that's all the headline I need. But uh, man, Monday. it's all you need. Um, <laughs> we were speaking uh, off air about. I've been using this phrase this week, and maybe I'm guilty of uh, adding to the GA cliches shadow boxing, which I think this whole All Ireland Round Robin series is. It has no jeopardy for me, but uh, people find that phrase annoying. Are there any other phrases which annoy you in Gaelic games? Um, just the, the, the handbags, the schmazel, when you're talking about lads absolutely booking the heads off each other, I think that's one. Uh, you always talk about players that are waiting in the long grass. He's flying in training. Oh, the, uh, every player has been flying in training, even though he might be injured and sitting out in the stands. Uh, there's a, a lot of good GA cliches. Asher Lucas, doesn't everybody start every conversation with Asher Lucas? Uh, that's another big one for me. I, I love, he just loves scoring. <laughs> yeah. Surely all players love scoring. Like no one's kind of seeing it as any sort of imposition on their part. Like, <laughs> you know, the manager I used to speak to, we're under no illusions. Was his, he always had it in every single interview we use? I wonder if manager the wide open spaces of Croke Park. Yes, has there ever been a man- manager under an illusion? That would be a, a, like there's some sort of mirage on the. <laughs> I, I think every Mayo manager would say, "Yeah, they can see the Tam Maguire in their grass," which uh, unfortunately hasn't. It's come Gaelic to football all the way, half one till three, uh, with the panel: Conlus Gilligan, Finian Hanley, and Jar Brennan on the Gaelic football action, and also then James Zuma, who's down at Porkeyquee for Cork against Kerry, and we'll speak to him then at half two. So this is a great story: Tom McKibben uh, right in the hunt to win his first tour title. Yeah, he's just one shot off the lead at the European Open in Hamburg. The Hollywood clubman is five under par after nine holes of his third round. He's one stroke behind David Law of Scotland. Elsewhere, Roy McIlroy is inside the top ten heading into the weekend at the Memorial Tournament in Ohio. A much improved second round 68 leaves him four under par so far and in a tie for seventh place. He's four shots off the lead of American Justin Sue. Uh, Seamus Power is next best of the Irish. He's one under after a seven round of 73. While Shane Larry has fallen back to one over par, that was after his disastrous 76 on Friday. Speaking after getting himself back into contention, Rory was asked if he has had time to work on his swing since the Masters and if the schedule is too hectic right now. You know, we have, we've all been advocating for an off-season and, you know, you know, and there's certain reasons why guys want It's very hard to try to play your best golf when you're really thinking about your golf swing. So it's, you know... That off-season time would be nice to work on your mechanics and your fundamentals so that you've got those sort of bedded in so that you can, you know, sort of roll going into, you know, the, the bulk of the season. Um, and I, I, you know, I didn't really feel like I had the necessary time to do that over the, you know, if you want to take a little bit of time off over the holidays, get yourself back into it. So it's just my reluctancy to work on it. Like I know it's been creeping in, but my reluctancy to work on it was more to do with the fact of how much golf we had coming up and just not really wanting to to be thinking about my golf swing a ton. 53106, uh, only the Irish would patronise Ange in Scots Premier League. Uh, he was the Australian World Cup manager and Kenny was useless at Dunfermline. So there's uh, the first uh, shot fired on this beautiful sunny day. Uh, well, how does Celtic land under Ange in Europe? And look, if you, if you think that the Scottish Premier League is comparable to the Premier League, I think you you might need to have a look at the European results. So we have tennis action. 
Yeah, um, somebody who's not in action is the Wimbledon champion Alina Rabakina. She pulled out of her third round match at the French Open due to illness today. The fourth seed was due to face Sarah Sarbias uh, Tormo, but her withdrawal confirmed minutes before she was due on court. She had looked in good form at Roland Garros and was among the favourites to take the title. On the court today, though, Coco Goff is just getting her third round meeting with Mira Andreeva underway. Top seed Igis Fiontech is back out on court. Uh, inside the next hour, she takes on China's Wang Xinyu. In the men's draw, Gregor Dimitrov is looking to book his spot in the fourth round. He takes on Germany's Daniel Altmaier from three o'clock. Elsewhere, world number 22, Alexander Zverev, comes up against the American Francis Tiafo from seven o'clock tonight. Last night, Novak Djokovic fought off a terrific challenge from Alejandro Davidovich Fokina to reach the fourth round for a 14th consecutive year. You been watching any of this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Davidovich Fikina has gotten the better of Novak Djokovic over uh, some uh, certain occasions over the year. Um, but it's I'm kind of I really want to see Djokovic versus Alcaraz at some stage sure. during this French Open. Alcaraz's favorite surface is clay. Um, Djokovic is, you know, it's still full steam ahead, not without controversy this year. But um, it will be a fascinating battle and needs to be. He's a hard man to like, isn't he, Novak Djokovic? An incredibly hard man to like, my God. And, you know, tries to tries to come across as likeable, which almost makes it worse because it's like, oh, Novak. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying the men's draw this year because I'm not enjoying the women's draw. It hasn't like it hasn't caught fire quite just yet. When when we get to the quarterfinals and hopefully both players make it this far, uh, Sviantec, Goff is going to be a fantastic. Well, Goff is the one I think we're look, we're waiting to see breakthrough, aren't we? I think so. I think so. Uh, I saw that on the practice schedule today that Caroline Wozniacki was in there for some reason. I was like, mm. God, has she gone? Jeez, I need to save this tour. <laughs> I'm going to jump in here because uh, you guys aren't really uh, pulling up. Like we've seen, you know, Raducanu thought we thought Raducanu was going to be the breakthrough star, and we'll. Um, Keep the star she's power. She's been going. through five coaches now, is it? Yeah, six now. She's on to her. She's looking for her sixth, which is incredible. Um, when she gets back on court, it'll bring a bit more of the glamour to it because they really, really need another women's draw. I would love to see Jessica Harrington win the Derby. It would be just such a brilliant story. Um, she's battled illness recently, and obviously, you know, we know she's won everything pretty much you can win in the jumps game. And she's got a horse with a chance here, Sprawell. They're they're down to post at Epsom for a race that was first run in 1780 when all of your ancestors were were here. And yeah, it's it's Aidan O'Brien going for a ninth derby and he's got the famous favourite. Uh, well, it was a favourite this morning. August rode in, but no, no longer the favourite. Now two horses joined favourite for the Epsom derby. Uh, arrest and military order, both four to one. August rode in, nine to two. Passenger, seven to one. The Fox is eight to one. Sprewell, 12 to one. White Birch trained down in Cork by John Murphy with Colin Key and the Meath jockey riding him is 12 to one and San Antonio, 20 to one. So... This is a wide open derby and hopefully we'll have an Irish winner in the next few minutes. Do you not love a fairy tale of Frankie de Tory making his Yeah, his last today? and he won the Oaks yesterday. Yeah, 52 years old, my God. Yeah, no, I want an Irish one. I would love to see Jessica Harrington win it or one of the Irish lads in the, in, in the saddle um, or Aidan. No, um, as much as I love Frankie. Aidan, you're running in it, are you? I'm not actually. Oh, no, right, I'm, there's two Aidans from Wexford. I'm a bit ah, busy sorry, here. Yeah. Yeah. Aidan O'Brien from Wexford and Aidan Delaney mm. from Wexford. Okay. Uh, we've also got racing here what, at Lestole. Yeah, that's a, star, a seven race card there at 25 past two. And then there's racing 
in Tremor in County Waterford from half past five this evening as well. Remember folks as you're binging on sport this weekend to pick out your best performance of the weekend whether it's a player, manager, even the ref tune into OTB's Instagram page tomorrow evening Sunday. Leave your selection in the comments under our performance rankings post if your selection matches our topic live on Monday's OTB AM. You're with the chance then of winning a Gillette Labs exfoliating razor, skin guard, shaving gel and a refill blades pack that is the Gillette Labs performance rankings for an effortless finish to your day. Still to go into the stalls at Epsom but we'll have the result very shortly for you. Who's going to win the FA Cup final lads uh, United 3-2 Brave I think City 3-0 OK I think City 1-0 Now coming up after the break the Saturday panel will preview this weekend's Gaelic football action with Jer Brennan Finian Hanley and Conleth Gilligan Thank you so much Aidan and Cameron and Off the Ball Saturday News Talk is back after this